Praise God. It's good to see you here. I'm glad you're here. Let me just take time to remind our ladies and young ladies, Friday night is going to be an exceptional night of opportunity for our church family. Our ladies, a very special night just for them. Uh, And uh, our special speaker is Sister Sophia Mundy. How many of you remember Brother John Hopkins? Well, this is Brother John Hopkins' daughter. She and her husband were missionaries to Panama for many years. They're now here in Houston uh, co-pastoring Tabernacle de Vida. But she is a better speaker than her dad. I'm quoting. He, if you're watching, Brother Hopkins, I'm, anyway, he, she's going to be speaking to our ladies Friday night and you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great service, and we're looking forward to uh, the great reports that are going to come from that. You, you don't have to stand, but I want to take you with me again back. We started something last week, and I want to go back uh, and try to finish up. Maybe I should have finished it all last week, uh, but I didn't get through. But uh, Genesis chapter 26 Uh, Genesis, the 26th chapter. I am going to be reading from the New English Translation, the NET. So if you guys have that, you got it. Uh, We're going to begin with verse number 1, Genesis chapter 26. We're going to read down through verse number 3 and then skip down to verse number 12. Genesis chapter 26 uh, and uh, verse number 1. It says, there was a famine in the land subsequent to the earlier famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Settle down in the land that I will point out to you. Stay in this land. Then I will be with you. I love how that is stated. Stay. And that word I mentioned to you last week means a temporary location. So he is caught in this temporary situation. But stay in this land. Then I will bless you. I will be with you and will bless you. For I will give all these lands to you and your descendants and I will fulfill the solemn promise I made to your father Abraham. And verse number 12 said, When Isaac planted in that land, again going back to what it said earlier, this temporary place, When he planted in that land, he reaped in the same year a hundred times what he had sown. Now you and I need to grasp the significance of this statement. Because when you read it without context, you can just go over it and go on. But remember that when Jesus was talking about the, the ground. He said, some bring forth 30-fold, 
Some brings forth sixtyfold, some brings forth a hundredfold. Hundredfold was the optimum blessing. It was the ultimate outcome. It was the highest thing that could be imagined. And this is what God did for Isaac when he obeyed him and stayed in this temporary location. God blessed him with the very best blessing possible. If you want to be blessed in the best way God can bless you, then you have to learn how to live in temporary places and make good of your time in those temporary places. And we talked to you last week about great truths for hard times. And it is no new thing that we are living in some very difficult times. I recognize that. You recognize that. But I am reminded of what the scripture has to say about these difficult times in which Isaac found himself and how they seem to parallel in some way some of the things that we are enduring in our own time. A famine speaks of a trial, a trouble, a hardship, a want, a lack, a difficulty, a dry season. It speaks of hunger and suffering. All of these things can be included in the context of that word. There is a truth in life that we don't like to admit, but you really don't know how bad things can get until they get worse. And times come when they do get worse. Life can go from bad to worse. But there's something worthy of your consideration. Maybe you've not thought about it, but in the dictionary, between the word worse and worst is a very powerful and life-changing word, and that is worship. Maybe we ought to learn what Webster has already figured out. That the best way to deal with whatever you consider to be the worst thing that can happen is to fill it with your worship. Because it is your worship that helps transform your mind and your spirit about how you perceive what is going on in your life. Amen. Worship is a reorienting of our mind and our spirits to what really matters. And if we're not careful when we're in the midst of a pandemic or any kind of calamity, a a famine or whatever you want to call it, it has a way of disturbing and disorienting and discouraging us and it can cloud our minds and it can it can cloud our vision it can overshadow even our opportunities are lost in the midst of these troubling things that happen around us so how you and I view these things 
is very important in how we get through them. Amen. And when you have an attitude of worship, it doesn't matter if worse is on one side and worst is on the other. You're going to make it. Amen. You can be surrounded by all kinds of trouble and difficulties, but when you have an orientation that keeps you pointing his direction, it's that north star that the compass, the north, that, that north pole that the compass keeps going back to. That's what we need in our life. In the midst of troubling circumstances, we need to know how to reorient ourselves and know how to turn our eyes toward what really matters. Amen. And God's word for Isaac was to stay in a temporary place uh, until... I show you what the next step is going to be. I wrote this down last night and I hope that you will not think I'm just playing with words. But we have a choice when it comes to troubles like this. We can do what evidently Isaac was tempted to do and run away because the Lord spoke to him and said, don't go to Egypt. Now, how would he know to do that? Because his father had done that. This is interesting to me that Isaac was not allowed to do what his father did. God's really unfair that he would let you get by with something that he wouldn't let me get by with. You know why he won't let me get by with it and he might let you? Because he's trying to work something different out in my life than he's trying to work out in yours. And keeping you here wouldn't be the thing that would help you get to where you need to be. But keeping me here would be what would be needed to get me to the next place he needs me to get to in my growth and in my walk with him. So stop comparing yourself with other people and say, well, God, that's not fair. You let them get by with it. You let Abraham, you let my dad go to Egypt when the famine hit. Why won't you let me go? God said, I have something I need to teach you. That sometime the best thing you can do in a troubled time is just stay. Just make up your mind. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here because this is where God told me to stay. But this is what I wrote down. We have a choice. In, when, when we come to these things, we can flee from it or we can face it. Amen. And this is what I wrote down. You can face it when you faith it. Amen. When you choose to live by faith. Because if you're going to stay in famine... You're going to need a lot of faith to survive. But when you live in faith, you can face whatever might come against you and whatever the enemy may desire to try to do to convince you that you're out of the will of God. So what is the secret of victory? 
And what is the secret of joy? And what is the secret of peace? And what is the secret to stability when you are experiencing a crisis or you're going through times of pressure and trial and stress? Don't allow what is happening around you to rob you and redefine who you are. Remember, life is going to try to trap you in a temporary place. But don't base your peace on what is happening around you and forget what is on the inside of you. Somebody say this with me. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Would you say that again? Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. No matter what you do, remember that. Amen. And so tonight we're going to go a little further. Let me ask you a question. What is the worst misfortune that you think could ever befall you? What is the worst thing that you could ever imagine happening to you? Whatever that thing might be, just remember that none of those things can stop the hand of God from blessing you when you obey Him and stay in His will and follow His Word. It doesn't matter what misfortune comes your way. When you are living in obedience to God, God's hand on your life will trump any hand of adversity that is against you. Somebody ought to praise the Lord for that fact tonight. God wants you and I to show the world how to live by faith. And how living by faith can make a difference. Amen. One of the great truths that is suggested by this story in Genesis is that there at times seems to be a contradiction between the promises that God has given us and the experiences of life that we are living through. If God is going to bless me with all of this land, how can God do it when I'm in this present famine? How can God bless me when there is nothing around me to be blessed with? In life, things happen that will make you question what you have been taught and what God has spoken to you. But I am here to tell you that God's promises are yea and amen. And if God promised it, He will keep His word. And even though you look around and you think, how in the world could I be blessed here? I'm just telling you, God knows how to bless you in the midst of famine, adversity, setback, stress. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God knows how to bless you. Amen. God knows how to keep you even when you lose your job. Amen. The natural tendency in our lives is that when difficult times come, we usually start looking for better territory 
to live in. But God said, no, Isaac, I want you to stay because I'm going to show you how I can bless you in the midst of this adversity. And so here's what I want to share with you tonight. Number one, God can bless you anywhere you are as long as you are where he wants you to be. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are. I love the words that are used. The word gerar is an interesting word. It literally means to chew, to saw, or to destroy. And Isaac was going to dwell in a land that had a reputation of chewing up and devouring its people. And yet the Bible says, and we read it, that God blessed him when he sowed in that land. That land that chews people up and spits them out in that land that tears people apart in that land that tries to destroy people in that land that saws them up into cordwood. He said, I can bless you and I will bless you. And he did bless him. Even in that kind of environment, God knows how to prosper you. When we obey him, our famine can become a fortune. Number two. God is not limited by our limitations. Amen. You need to say that right now. Some of you need to look at something in your life right now. Maybe a checking account. Maybe a job situation. Maybe a family problem. And you need to say that over your situation right now. God is not limited by my limitations. God knows how to work it out. He can save by many or by few. Amen. I said he can save by many or by few. All it takes is one young boy that's not afraid of an enemy to put a a rock in a sling and go down to the valley in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he said, I can bring any giant down. Amen. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Our limitations are not God's limitation. Number three, we do not Earn our victory by what we avoid, but by what we overcome. Amen. We do not determine victory in our life by what we avoid, but by what we overcome. The natural tendency of most all of us when trouble comes is to run and hide. Most often it is our nature to try to get out of dodge, as the old saying goes, to get out of this place, to go find greener pastures. God said, I can bless you in this place in the midst of famine if you'll just obey me. Sometimes you have to just stay in a place and sow even when there is no encouragement around you that would indicate that anything good would come out of that. And by the way, doesn't it sound a little foolish to you that if it's famine, that means seed, bread corn, is very precious. 
That means that you can't afford to waste any of it. And sometimes to the human mind, it seems a waste when we put that seed in the ground rather than in our stomach. But God said, if you just obey me and stay here and do what you can, where you can, when you can, even if it seems to be contradictory to everything in human nature and human reason, take that precious seed and sow it in the ground, for you will reap in due season if you faint not. What does the psalmist say? He that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. I believe tonight that God wants us to understand that there are times we're going to have to go contrary to what human reasoning would say. Sometimes you have to sow when the conditions are not favorable. Sometimes you have to sow when the circumstances may be contrary to what your mind is saying will be able to produce anything. The producing of the seed is not in me or, or, or in you, but it's in the one who made the seed. And if you'll just put the seed where it belongs, put it in the ground, God said, I will bless it and I will multiply it. Sometimes our greatest test in the time of trouble is to sow. Amen. Because we are more inclined to hoard and keep it all to ourselves. We want to keep it because it's, it's precious. But Isaac planted in a time of famine. The last thing that you and I want to do sometimes is to do something that we feel will produce nothing. When our senses are telling us, you need to keep that, don't give that. That will do you more good than it will do anyone else any good. Amen. And yet you sow it and you watch God grow it. Amen. Sow it. And watch God grow it. And when God grows it, He doesn't just grow back what you sowed. Amen. He doesn't just give you back what you gave. That's the way we do. You know, at Christmas, you get a gift, you give a gift. Hmm? Some of you are shaking your head. Some of you don't give your Scrooges. All of your, I can see some of those ching ching, them, them green things, you know, the dollar sign going ching ching ching. That's all you think about. You know, that's just a waste of money. But you know what? He said, if you give, if you give, it shall be given. Come on, somebody help me. Press down, shaken together, running over. That's the kind of God you and I serve. You're never going to do anything for God that He is not going to come back and bless you more than you gave to Him a hundredfold.
behold, he gave him the ultimate blessing for his effort in this time of trial. That tells me that God understands a little bit about my humanity and how hard it is to let go of that seed in a desperate time. But when you let go of it, somebody said, I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. I'm not talking about just your money. I'm talking about everything in your life. You can't afford not to give. All of us have been given so much. You know, it's amazing to me that we don't have a problem giving $10 in an offering or $10 tithes on an off, on, on, on what we've earned, but $10,000, we don't think we can trust the church to handle that much money. Hello? Amen. We give it as unto the Lord. And when you give it as unto Him, God keeps records. And God said, I'm going to bless that person, not just one time, but a hundred times more. Could you take a blessing like that? Could you, anybody here do, do with a hundredfold blessing? Amen. Then I'm going to tell you, do what Isaac did. Stay in a place you think, oh God, everything in me wants to run away from this place right now. I am so uncomfortable. I don't like being in these circumstances. I don't like living under this kind of pressure. But you stay and you sow and you do what you can and watch God bless what you've done in such a marvelous way to meet the needs and this is what one, one commentator said. Because the famine had brought such severe loss, even Isaac had suffered loss. But when he sowed in that time in his life, God gave him back a hundredfold. So he gave him back more than he lost in the famine. You can't outgive God. Let me just say this to you, and I'm going to hurry on. Life is very seldom a this or that proposition. More often, it is a this and that. It is a combination of problems that come. But this is what the Lord gave me to give you tonight. That great difficulties usually hide great opportunities. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse number 9, Paul writing to the Corinthian church said this, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. What an opportunity. And, and, and in your Bible or mine, it has in italics, there are. That means that's not in the original text. It's just put there for a continuity of thought. The original text just simply said, and many adversaries. There's a great door open, an effectual door, an opportunity of a lifetime, and many adversaries. That's that 
that and that I'm talking about. It's never a this or that. It's this and that. You're going to have to learn that great challenges come to our life, but great challenges are often hiding great opportunities. Great stress comes, but it's also a time for us to know great peace. If we know how to live in the time of famine, faith does not remove our problems, but it transforms our problems and it reorients our life. And when we see them in this light, we see them working for us, not against us. Amen. And I'm closing with this. Lastly, but not leastly, shifting your thinking will help save you from starvation. Stay even when you don't feel like staying. Sow even when you see no reason to sow. Even if you're in a famine or a drought, prepare for the future. Oh my goodness, I hope I can help you understand. When you are sowing, What are you sowing for? The future. So Isaac had the presence of mind that in the midst of this drought, he decided, I'm going to do something for the future, my future, my children's future, my family's future. And when you and I learn how to obey God and learn how to sow even amidst our trials and our troubles, we are actually doing something toward the future of not only our lives, but our family's lives. And not only was Isaac blessed, but his children were blessed and his heritage was blessed because he decided to do something in this moment of trial That would have something to do with the future. The decisions that you and I make in famine. Listen to me. Please put this down in your middle notes. The decisions that you and I make in famine will affect what we see in the future. What we experience in the future. You want a better tomorrow? Start sowing right now. Well, brother, you, you don't understand. I don't, it's not very conducive. It's dry. What, what good is sowing going to do? I'm just saying do it anyway because God will honor the labor and the efforts that you are putting forth in the midst of your trouble. But you need to make up your mind tonight. I am going to start living proactively. I'm not going to be trapped in this temporary situation. I'm going to go ahead and sow for my future. I'm going to sow for a better day. I believe a better day is coming. I believe we're going to come out of this. And when we do... When we come out of it, I want us to be better off than we are now. Come on, stand with me. Amen. How you and I think about our problems now will affect how we handle them and how we see the future. So you and I need to simply do this tonight. We need to stay focused on what's within our control. 
I can't control the weather. I can't control the economy. I can't control the world. I can't control the climate. I can't control the storm. I can't control the seasons. Amen. But I can control my attitude and my spirit. And I do have a say as to what goes on in my own life. And I can prioritize my energy. I wrote this down. I hope you will remember this. You and I need to learn when we're in the midst of famine to prioritize our energy and put it in the right things. Because most often when we are in stressful situations, what consumes our energy is stress and worry and fear and all of those take energy. They consume energy from your life. They sap your energy. Some of you look wore out tonight from worrying over some stuff today. Amen. Why don't you reorder that and prioritize your energy and turn it to something. You can't control those things that are happening out there, but you can control what's happening in here. Go back to what I said earlier, between worse and worst worship. That's where I want to be found. In, when I'm surrounded by all of these chaotic things and all of the trouble that's happening in this life, I want my heart to be oriented toward another world and I want my mind to be focused and I want to put my energy and my efforts into doing what I can do and stop worrying about what I can't do. Instead of backing up, Amen. That's what usually happens when we run into trouble. We need to learn how to break through. I discovered something recently that's interesting. And I, it, it just kind of, I love doing word studies. But someone said that the root meaning of the word murmur means to back up. So when you're murmuring, guess which direction you're going. No wonder you feel so isolated. No wonder you feel so alone. No wonder you wonder where God is. No wonder we wonder what's happening. What, where's, where's everybody at? Why do I feel so alone? Why do I feel so distant? I don't know what it is, but I, just, I don't feel as close as I used to feel to everybody. Maybe I need to go check my vocabulary. Maybe I need to talk. Maybe I need to think about what I've been saying. And if I'm not careful, I can allow the complaints to override my praise and I become consumed and I am literally backing up. Some of us, I need to stop backing up. I need to quit backing up tonight. I need to start breaking through. And how you break through, it's that thing that's between worst and worst. Worship, that's how you break through. I need to get back to understanding that if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. I need to get back to remembering that I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. I need to go back to the Word and remember that He said I will never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you.
I once was young. Now I'm older. (laughs) I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed beg bread. Quit backing up. That's what we do when we complain and we murmur. When you start praising, you start going forward. Amen. Amen. We miss so much when we are backing up. And when you are sowing, you're moving forward. You're reaching for the future. You're saying, this time is not going to define me. These times are not... I love the New Testament church. They were put right down in the middle of a hateful, vulgar, filthy world. And the Lord said, go win it. And they did. I said they did. How did they do it? Ephesus. Corinth, and we, Las Vegas and New York City, New Orleans, they don't have anything on those two cities. I cannot even go into the filth that went on in public view and was accepted as part of the culture and the society. And yet the Lord planted His church in the midst of that kind of chaos. And He said, now go win those that were, go win those people. And this is how they won it. They were not consumed by what was around them. They were on fire with what was in them. And they said, hey, it doesn't matter where you put us, Ephesus or Corinth or Pergamos or Thyatira. It doesn't matter where we go. We're going to take something with us. We're going to plant for the future. We're going to sow. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to praise. Hey, it's dry around here. I tell you how to deal with dryness. Start sowing. I tell you how to deal with dryness. Start worshiping. I tell you how to deal with dryness. Start praising Him. And watch Him transform your life and turn your world around. Amen. Praise God. But this is what the New Testament church would not do. They would not let the time or their circumstances define them. Because they had already been defined. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. Amen. You have been called. You have been chosen. I send you. Amen. Into the world. And they went. And this is what they said of them. These are they that have turned the world upside down. Amen. Oh God, help us in this troubling hour in which we live to learn some of these powerful truths that can transform difficult and dry seasons into times of plenty and blessings beyond anything you and I could ever imagine. A hundredfold blessing. A hundredfold blessing. Why? Because you kept sowing. I want to tell you something, Greater Life Church. Some of you, and I'm not bragging about this, but I'm going to tell you why God has blessed many of you that are in this building tonight. Because when our church was hit with adversity after adversity, we got knocked down on our knees, but we didn't get knocked out. We got right back up. We flooded in 2015. We drug everything out. We started all over and we built it back and it was beautiful. And then we flooded again in 17 and we did the same. 
same thing and look where God has put us now. I'm just telling you that God is going, God's blessings for the future of this church is greater than you and I can even comprehend. Why? Because we were, when we were in a bad place, when we were in a difficult setting, we just kept sowing. We kept working. We kept praying. We kept worshiping. We kept having great church. Even when we had no reason to have good church, we just kept coming in. We made Wednesday night like a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. No, we didn't. Do, did we do that? Did we do that? Yeah, I think we did. Amen. Praise God. Well, I think that's about all you can handle tonight. At least that's all I've got to give you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Don't allow the times in which we live to define you. Because you have already been called. Amen. You're his. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's famine or if it's a pandemic or if it's a crisis that's engulfing our world right now. It's just a greater opportunity for the church to display the grace of God and the power of God. Amen. Brother Mutu, thank you for sharing what you shared with us earlier. It's a reminder that God, in the midst of all of this, can still fill people with the Holy Don't you? I remember one when we first started this pandemic thing and everybody had masks on. And I'm thinking, oh God, how can we pray for people when they have masks on? Well, lo and behold, the Lord showed me, hey, those masks don't bother me. And somebody came down the altar, we started praying for them. And with the mask on, they started talking in tongues, received the mask. We, we have this idea that we can't have any of that stuff or it's going to inhibit us. Hey, God is not inhibited or limited by any of our limitations. And we need to realize that. Yeah. So we didn't, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I, I gave up predicting things a long time ago. But I will tell you, it doesn't matter what happens. Amen. I said it doesn't matter what happens. There's going to be a church. That church is going to be alive and well. That church is going to be vibrant and powerful somewhere. It may not be here, but somewhere the church is. I want it to be here. The church will be vibrant and powerful and the church will shine forth in a glorious way and God's going to do great and mighty things. Amen. Lift your hands and praise Him right now. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise you tonight and thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for your blessings tonight, God. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. Help me, God, to make that my commitment to always, always, always praise you. Always praise you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Find somebody and say, hey, you got it. Let's just do it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.